Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. The phone number, 833-468-8669 or 833-GOT-TONY. Ain't that amazing how that happens? Man, I I will dig into uh, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. I mean, this is the kind of stuff where if he was a Republican, this would be front page news. The transit system is not working. He promised more rail cars for New Jersey Transit. They were given back to the state of Maryland after being leased for eight weeks. His own party wants to strip him of certain gubernatorial powers to prevent him from having more access or more influence uh, in, in the budget. He owns a soccer team that he bought to show his daughter that girls can play soccer too. How much money does this dude have? Oh yeah, enough money that he owns a $7 million home in Italy. A home that he bought from the 23 years he worked at Goldman Sachs. And you don't hear nothing about this guy. The governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy. Everything falling apart for him. It's been falling apart in the state for years. For years. It has been falling apart. Christie tried, but he didn't. certainly didn't do enough. But towards the end, he realized that he had used up all his... Uh, Get out of jail free cards. He had momentum early and just didn't stick with it. And now they've got the Democrat that they've always wanted. And they're already disgusted with him. By the way, the governor's office in New Jersey didn't uh, even want to, uh, they didn't want to admit where he went. I think that's got to be like one of the greatest stories ever. They didn't want to say where he was going on vacation because they knew it was going to be bad. Oh, yeah, everything in New Jersey is is total hell. Uh, He went to Italy. He went to – last time someone went to Italy, all I heard was it only proved collusion between Trump and the Russians. (laughs) That's that's what I heard. Uh, I will will dig into more of that. Jimmy Kimmel uh, starts my day. Now, there's a lot going on. There's a whole conversation, hearings about cybersecurity. I said from from day one, I said cybersecurity should have been the first thing President Trump went after. You can make it a bipartisan conversation. Everybody should be in favor of it. You can get the funding to make it happen. Cybersecurity should have been job number one. I'm only glad it's at least a conversation now. If you don't think that you have to worry about Russia and China in the world of, of, of cyber and what they're trying to do, power grids, technology theft, uh, all of it, you're out of your skull. So it should be a priority regardless of political party. There should bipartisan, nonpartisan. It is America versus the rest of the world. What's our plan? I'd like to have a plan. And I'd like to not get bogged down in the crazy of other people's crazy. Russia would love to dismantle us uh, in an online capacity. And so would China and so would others. So not only do I believe in a good defense, I believe in a wicked, brutal offense. Absolutely. Or how about this? No offense, but rapid response. We think that a a uh, uh, a cyber attack came from from China. 
I want them to feel the wrath for the next 60 days. Every day, something new, something brutal. Go after them personally and professionally. Everywhere, throughout the entirety of of the continent. The continent of the nation. I I just believe in letting them know. You mess with us, we mess with you 10 times worse. You mess with us, we mess with you 10 times worse. That That's all there is to it. So I'm glad that that's happening. And then there's President Trump saying, telling Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, that he should end the Mueller investigation. The Mueller investigation is not ending. It's not ending. It's going to end when it ends. The only way President Trump is going to be able to end it. I mean, he don't get me wrong. He could. He could fire Robert Mueller anytime he chose. But the only time it's going to come is if Robert Mueller goes after Donald Trump Jr. You see Mueller go after Trump Jr., then you're going to see Trump say, all right, this is done, this is over, come at me, I'm cool. I, I, I'm I, cool, I'm ready, come at me, it's fine. But I want to talk about Jimmy Kimmel. Because Jimmy Kimmel had Sean Spicer on the show, the former press secretary. And uh, they had... I don't, I don't know. Do you call it a, a, a normal uh, conversation? I mean, there was a question about whether uh, President Trump and uh, Sean Spicer still talk. Talk to the president, you said. Yes? Yeah. How often do you speak to him? As often as he likes. And he calls you? He does. Do you well, they, call I mean, him? I, have not, I do not call him. You do not call him? I wait to be called. When he calls you, is it like, oh, no, what is this going to be about? <laughs> Uh, the first time, I was like, what did I do wrong? Right. It was right after your show, the first uh, Was thing. it really? Yeah, and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> was it really? I swear to God. Yeah. Was, was he mad or no? No, he's a great job on Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, I know he I, did. <laughs> okay. Like, you know, I don't work there anymore. So. Yeah, I know. And he started talking about, you know, what led to his resignation. I knew it wasn't getting better. And I wanted to make sure that I was ready because at some point I knew that the end was coming and it was coming sooner rather than later. And at that time, did someone in the administration try to talk you out of leaving? Um, When I offered my resignation to the president, he asked me to stay. I thought that there was no way that the situation would turn itself around. He deserved a clean slate. I didn't think that I would, my presence was ever gonna allow that to happen. And I thought that it was in the best interest of both of us to move on. It's odd, it's peculiar, it's strange that he went on the show. Now, he's, he's pushing his book, don't get me wrong. Uh, it's called uh, the, the Briefing, and people are certainly unkind to him. And uh, It was Megyn Kelly who said that he lied on behalf uh, of President Trump. It was the BBC, uh, what, he corrupted discourse for the entire world. Okay, okay, good, good to know. You're, not, you're never going to get me to defend Sean Spicer as press secretary. You're, you're, you're not going to get me... Uh, to 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 do that, but um, corrupted discourse for the entire world—that's that's a, that's a that's a bit o stretch. And then there was a question from Kimmel about Mooch, and and the point I bring up all this is that first of all, you had to get, did you go on Megyn Kelly's? Sh- I don't know, did he go on the show? Because who goes on Megyn Kelly's show? Megyn Kelly's show is a is a is a train wreck. I mean, uh, it's not that I even want that for her. I think Megyn Kelly did a terrible job during those presidential debates when she was still at Fox, when she uh, got into that fight with President Trump, because she gave credibility to the idea of war on women. And that was what I found offensive. 
a good moderator is not the story, right? So if this is where he's going on uh, for for coverage for his book, that's pretty bad. I guess you go on Kimmel's show to to try and sell your book, even though that audience isn't going to buy it. And he was asked about his relationship with uh, Scaramucci. He hired Anthony Scaramucci to be. Would he have been? Your, would you have reported to him? or That way that the structure would work then, yes. Yeah, and, and that was unacceptable. Correct. Yeah. And, in fact, Anthony Scaramucci, you mentioned in the book, texted you when he got the job and said, give me a call, and you did not give him a call. Correct. Why didn't you call him? Because I didn't want to have that conversation. I knew I'd already thought about that this was God telling me, here's your off-ramp, take it. And I didn't think, I, I have nothing against him personally, I didn't think that structure was sustainable, and I felt like I knew what I wanted to do. I talked to my wife and my mom and said, I'm comfortable and I'm at peace with this decision, and I didn't want to have a conversation that would be anything, that would lead to any other uh, outcome but that. Okay. That, that's what happened. Here's the question. Do you think Jimmy Kimmel gives a good holy damn about Sean Spicer? It's the second time he's been on the show. Do you think any of these people care about Sean Spicer? The objective is to try and get Sean Spicer to say something untoward about the president. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole objective. There, nothing else exists. I find it interesting. I also find it uh, interesting that according to, uh, you know, I didn't see the whole interview. I caught bits and pieces. Did, did Jimmy Kimmel really ask, why did you lie for that son of a bitch Trump? That got asked? You don't get up and leave at that moment? So what's worse? You know Kimmel's fishing for something about Trump. Why would you stay? Selling the book matters that much? Huh. I'm Tony Katz. How do you wake up the entire African-American community to the hidden issue of mental health problems? It showed up in my life through one of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Adopt us kids in the Ad Council. Tony Katz on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Get the podcast, TonyKatz.com. Site going through lots of transformation. You can subscribe, do all the good stuff. TonyKatz.com. In Florida comes this another transgender story. I did not know that a uh, unisex bathroom wasn't enough. And it's a story of a student, it's a girl, says that they're a boy. 18, though, right? A senior in, in, in high school. And uh, the school system there, citing district policy, had um, a gender-neutral bathroom and said, listen, if this is what you're going to tell us, this is the bathroom that you use. That way, that way no, there are no issues. It's a bathroom. Nope, nope, that's not good enough. The district judge, Timothy Corrigan, said that this girl who believes they're a boy posed no threat to safety or privacy of other students. The law required him to be treated, quote, like any other boy. But he's not like any other boy, what with having a vagina. I'm just saying not like any other boy. And no regard for the other students at all who may be bothered by it. 
who may be up, uh, maybe uh, uncomfortable with it. They don't matter. This is where I always come to. This is an 18-year-old. You can make decisions. You're, you're, you're an adult, but even though you're still in high school, you can make decisions. Right? We have rules about what's childhood and what is adulthood. And I reject two things, if I may. First, I reject the idea that a nine-year-old can make this decision. When I hear about nine-year-olds who are choosing their gender, that's child abuse. From beginning to end, that's child abuse. Nine-year-olds cannot make this decision. They're not old enough to make this decision. They're not capable of making this decision. Nine-year-olds need structure. And what we see when we have more and more of these conversations about children being able to make decisions about this is that we're saying that the the line between childhood and adulthood is purposefully and willfully blurred. Why? To give children agency? They're able to decide their gender, so able they're clearly able to decide what to do with their own bodies. No. They're children. The job of the adult is to protect children if from anything from themselves. Children cannot make decisions on their own. The answer is no. They can't do it. There is the most special of circumstances, and it should be a miraculously high bar. Like, for example, emancipation. You know, you become an emancipated minor because your parents are terrible or, or abusive, whatever the case may be. You usually see that in Hollywood kind of circles. But deciding your gender, adults have issue with it and confusion with it. You don't let children, you don't, you don't allow this to happen. And I swear to you, the reporting on this is so insane. This, this, this kid saying, now I can focus on my college applications without this weight on my shoulders. There's no weight on your shoulders. What are you talking about? There's no weight on your shoulders. You said, I feel a certain way, therefore everybody has to conform to me. You didn't care about the other people, and I feel I can speak freely because you're 18. You didn't really care about other people as long as you got what you wanted. That's all that mattered to you. And here, from the article, uh, this girl who says uh, she's a boy, and it's written here, uh, and his mother. It's not he, it's she. It's uh, I don't I don't get into the pronoun game. I won't play. I won't play. I won't play. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not going I'm not going to purposefully lie. I just won't do it. Um they filed the injunction arguing that it is unfair to treat him differently from other boys just because he was born with female sexual organs. Uh yes it is. When we see the stories of uh the these boys who claim to be women and then they run in uh, track meets and they destroy the competition because men are physically stronger than women. You cannot change the biology. Of course it's unfair. It is, it's wrong. They don't care. Their parents don't seem to care. As long as, as long as the kid gets what the kid wants, everybody else has to conform and everybody else has to suffer. I reject that concept altogether. Absolutely. I, I, just, I just won't have anything uh, to, to do with it. But when I see stories like this, I understand why people homeschool. The, the, this, this conversation, you know, around here where I live, there is a group where one of the, the, the leader of the group said, when you don't use the proper pronoun, you are, uh, the, these kids have very high suicide rates. When you don't use the proper pronoun, you are pushing them towards suicide. No, 
I'm not. And for saying that, they should fire you. That's how disgusting that is. That is you trying to tell me I am not allowed to speak. And I will speak, and so should you. But I think that the way people are going to speak out about this stuff is they're just going to start homeschooling. They're not not going to want any part of this. Because the schools are being massively unfair to the rest of the students. No one said they couldn't come into the school. We're not talking about the days of black children and fire hoses. Thank goodness. Nobody's saying that. We're talking about a bathroom. And I think that when it comes to an actual bathroom, that's that's less of a of an issue than, let's say, a locker room, which is a whole different thing because you're talking about people getting changed, people who already have an issue, body issues, and, and it's, it's embarrassment, and you're young and all that jazz. You know, these days I'll change anywhere. I'm too old to be embarrassed. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not old, but I just, I've, I, I've given up the ghost as a young kid, especially as a fat young kid. Oh my god. Oh my god, Jim was not fun. I tell you. And you're telling those kids who have got whatever issue, ah, yeah, it's, suck it up, Buttercup. But if we say to them, suck it up, Buttercup, then you're bigoted. How does that work? This is why this is why I say it leads to homeschooling. This is where it, it goes. But I don't want you to think that um, it's just these parents. And but I do. I have massive issue with these parents. But lately, I'm having issue with more and more parents because I came across Fortnite. Not it's it's not the game doesn't bother me. The game doesn't bother me. Um, my kids play Fortnite. I'm fine with Fortnite. There are way worse games out there. There are many, much more violent games out there, games I would never let them touch in a million years. But we waited a while, you know, want to see what Fortnite was and how everybody was reacting to it. It's wildly popular. It is going to make Epic, I think, is the group that puts it out, going to make them $2 billion. It's huge. It is massive. And you can play it uh, anywhere. Uh, you know, uh, pick your system, whether it's just a PC, Xbox, PlayStation, iPad, Nintendo, Switch, or what, what, whatever it is. Um, and people are playing it everywhere. Well, the issue is, is that everybody's playing it everywhere. So what's happening is that kids, they have friends who play, they play, and they go to school and they talk about what's happened on Fortnite. And there are some kids who aren't good at it. There's some kids who are good at things and some kids who are not. That's just the way it goes. But there's some kids who aren't good at Fortnite. And their parents are finding that they're sad because they can't keep up with their other friends and their other friends are bragging about what level they've gotten to or with this, that. So there are now coaches. There are Fortnite tutors available, $10 to $20 an hour, who will help your kid get better at Fortnite. Now, I want to put a a caveat in. I am not upset with the idea that you could pay somebody to help you get better at something. That's fine. That's the market at work, and I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with tutoring for video games. Listen, the world has changed, and you can make a living doing this stuff. You can make a living doing it on YouTube. Just play the game, put yourself picture in picture, and you can get yourself 2.2 million subscribers and make bank. What? College? College? For what reason would I ever say send your kid to college? I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game. 
not a game. We're talking about practice. Why in the world would I tell you to send your kid uh, to college when they can make when they can make that much money just by playing a game? By the way, every time I do that whole practice thing, it reminds me of this. Playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Jim Mora. That will live in, in Colts history for forever. My issue here is that people aren't doing it because their kid has got a skill set and you in, you enrich the skill set and, and maybe they, they can go about making a living doing this. Because I, I, I think that's fine. No, parents are doing it because they want their kids to be able to have friends. You don't join, they're not joining a club. They're getting them tutoring so they can say, oh, look, I've, I've leveled up as well. Oh, look what I got. Oh, look what I was able to do. Look at look at the kills. Look at my victory royale. Look at look at look at whatever the case may be. That's insane. It's possible your kid's not good at it. It's possible he's good at 20 other things. So be good at 20 other things. We're so we're so worried about social acceptance. We'll get tutoring on video games. That, I'm sorry, that's surreal. That's absolutely mind scrambling. As opposed to saying, yeah, don't worry about it. Play and have fun. Do what you can. Practice and get better. Read a book about it. Watch some videos about it. You know? You need a you need a tutor to get never once did anybody suggest I get a tutor at Pac-Man when I went down to the local roller rink so I could impress Susie Myers. By the way, it wasn't Susie Myers. I didn't want to use her real name. Or it was Cappy. I wonder where she is now. Because I've gotten really good at Pac-Man. I'm Tony Katz. Instagram, Tony Katz. Twitter, Tony Katz. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Yeah, should all match up. Yet here I am. Yet here we are. San Francisco's brought back the Guardian Angels. They, they don't know it yet. They're not calling them the Guardian Angels. Basically, San Francisco is New York of uh, the uh, 70s and 80s. Dangerous and, and unnecessarily so. Uh, San Francisco, which has a massive homeless problem. San Francisco, which has a homeless problem to the point where it's affecting tourism. 15,000 person conventions are canceling because of the homeless issue, because of, of feces on the street, because of needles. Hotels are scared out of their skull because they build these beautiful places and people walk out and there's literally a homeless encampment in front of them and people going to the bathroom. I don't think homelessness is an easy problem to solve, but it certainly is never solved when you are proactively in favor of homelessness, which San Francisco is. It can't get solved like that if you think that culturally it's okay. If you put up signs that talk about St. Francis of this and say this one of that, they gave to the poor and they did this, it's reminding you that you should give handouts. And the homeless said, hot diggity. 
Here's my hand. It's out. Put something in it. That has led to total horror in San Francisco. Also going on in San Francisco has been a uh, crime spree, including murder on the BART system. You're talking about the, the subway system they have there. 18-year-old Nia Wilson, along with two others at uh, different times, were killed. So now there's a group of Bay Area men who are seeing these people feel unsafe, and for two hours a day, they carry safety escort signs, and they walk people from the BART system to their vehicle. Uh, this, is, this is the Guardian Angels. The Guardian Angels used to ride the New York subway system. They used to ride the subway system with, with the bread. Curtis Sliwa is their, is their most famous member. He was the organizer. He's still, he's still on radio. I think in New York, and he he's got the the the, the jacket, the like the leather jacket, and the, and the, and the beret going Guardian Angel. That, that's what it was. And they used to ride the subways to keep people safe. Un- unbelievable. That it, we're, we're, what is old is new again. This is this is what they're back to. They do it for free, these guys. But BART's contract with the police department, the only people currently allowed to provide security at BART stations are officers. What, are they going to stop these people from doing it? They're going to stop these people from walking people to their car? You say thank you and you take all the help you can get. Leave it to government to decide, no, you're not allowed to help. It's like when people say, no, you're not allowed to, uh, you know, like you'll often see people who have food they want to donate to, let's say, a homeless shelter. And that's the way to do it. Donate it to shelters. Don't donate it directly to people. Directly to people on the street, you're in, you're encouraging. You don't mean to, but you're encouraging the homelessness. Don't do that. Shelters is the way to go. Uh, absolutely. And they're like, oh no, 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 you're not allowed to give this to us, restaurant, because uh, we can't. We're not. We're not allowed to take it. There are rules. Restaurants can't give them the food. This happens in many places. I know this from my time in in Tampa Bay in the restaurant business. Food goes. Food goes bad. I don't know if it's still the case there, but I know that this has been the case for a good long time. Someone, it, it's 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 crazy. We let government get in the way uh, of everything. But I I read this story and was going through it, and I said almost offhandedly, "It's it's Guardian Angels today. It's Bernie Getz tomorrow." And Ari, who is now uh, with with the show, looked at me and said, uh, "Yeah, you're gonna have to." Explain to people who who Bernie Getz is. You know, not for me. I, of course, know. But for but for other people, uh, he's a millennial. He has no idea who Bernie Getz is. The story of Bernie Getz goes to New York in the New York subway system. And um, Bernie Getz was on the subway system when he was threatened by a, a group of of kids. Now today, this would be told. We would be told this is a racial incident because they were black and he's white. And they had screwdrivers. They were threatening him with screwdrivers. And Bernie Getz had a firearm. Bernie Getz had a, I think it was a 38. And Bernie Getz shot. And Bernie Getz got out of the jam as he was being threatened. He was charged with attempted murder, assault, and reckless endangerment. The jury said not guilty. The only thing he was guilty of was carrying an unlicensed firearm. It's the only thing he was guilty of. Now, 
the story here is that he, I mean, he was dubbed the subway vigilante. But I never, I never took it that way. If the subway wasn't going to protect anybody, it is incumbent upon people to protect themselves. So you've got these guys in San, in San Francisco. Again, they're not doing anything new. All they're doing is trying to protect people. Exactly what the Guardian Angels did way back when. The subway, three people dead on the San Francisco subway. People are going to want to protect themselves, and they will do it any way they can. And you better believe some of them are going to do it with an unlicensed firearm. Part of California's problem. They're so busy protecting you from yourself that they prevented the ability for you to protect yourself from others. We're going to get to a Bernie Getz moment in San Francisco. It's going to happen. You're going to watch it, your very selves, with your own eyes. And you're going to remember this moment where we laid it out uh, as, as clear as day. We're getting to the Bernie Getz moment. One other story I wanted to get to, which is about ICE, um, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement. And I was talking earlier about the senator from Hawaii who quite literally doesn't understand that ICE deals with people who break the law, Maisie Hirono. She's talking to an ICE official named Matthew, Matthew Albens about people who come to the country illegally. I mean, listen. Mr. Albens, would you send your child to FRCs? Again, I think we're, we're, we're missing the point. These individuals are there because they have broken a law. There has to be a process. They have broken a law only as deemed so by the president with his. No, ma'am. They're, they're there for violation of Title Eight of the immigration of the U.S. and Nationality Act. Uh, okay, they're 8 U.S.C. thirteen twenty-five. That's illegal entry is both a criminal and civil violation. They are in those FRCs pending the outcome of that civil immigration process. They have broken the law. Well, these are mainly. My, my understanding is that uh, under the zero tolerance, these are no longer civil civil proceedings, but in fact, were criminal proceedings. They were both. So? They were criminal proceedings when the border patrol prosecuted them. But at the conclusion of that process, once the individual came into ICE custody, they would go through administrative proceedings. I'm confused. Okay. We, so the the, the, the criminal law the that... criminal proceeding is an individual being prosecuted for the criminal violation of improper entry. That's remarkable. She didn't know the difference between the two things. She didn't know the difference between the two things. We come back, we're going to talk more about ICE because ICE agents say the mayor of an Oregon town worked with the ICE protesters. It's one heck of a, of a claim. I'll get into that next. I'm Tony Katz. This is the Ad Council and the Stay Strong Foundation. Tony Katz, so good to be with you. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, was talking about the Democratic senator from Hawaii, Hirono, who clearly didn't know that it's a crime to cross the border illegally. She didn't know. She made it seem like it was all President Trump, that the issue was President Trump 
having a zero tolerance policy. Because they have broken a law. There has to be a process. They have broken a law only as deemed so by the president with his. No, ma'am. They're, they're there for violation of Title Eight. She doesn't know that if you have a zero tolerance policy, this Democratic senator, Senator Hirono of Hawaii, that, well, it has to be zero tolerance of a policy that already exists. You just don't have a zero tolerance policy. I'm Tony Katz, by the way. Good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Twitter, at Tony Katz. I bring this up because ICE itself, agents are accusing uh, the mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler, of violating the Constitution after supporting uh, an abolish ICE protest and the protesters and doing so by ordering the police to stand down and expressing support for their cause. It was a cease and desist letter that was sent to him saying that he actively encouraged protesters, making sure Portland's police wouldn't crack down on them, creating, quote, a zone of terror and lawlessness. Chris Crane, he's the president of the National ICE Council, saying, quote, when the mayor gave the order that police would not support ICE trapped in the facility, he turned the lives of our employees over to an angry mob. That mob, by the way, those people, uh, by the way, are the ones who left uh, the, the scene. They, they called it a camp right where they were, this uh, protest camp. They left it in such horrible condition, it was considered a biohazard. I mean, they, they, they didn't use bathrooms. It's obscene. Did the mayor do this? Did the mayor tell the police to stand down? Wheeler saying in a press conference last week to all demonstrators, I urge you to keep up this effort. He uh, said the encampment uh, deters from the main message of getting rid of the immigration agency. Oh, okay. We can't talk about the encampment itself. We can't talk about the kind of people who protest uh, in this way. All right. All right. No, 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 no. Okay. Let, let's stick with it. So not only should we not mention the disgusting nature of the protesters themselves and what lack of respect they have for all things, we should only focus on the idea that people should be able to cross uh, the border illegally without any type of ramification. That's unbelievable to me. That is truly remarkable. It's the only way to only way to describe it. Just stunning. But it's 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 the way this is going. It's amazing that that you have these people who are so um dug in. They're okay with saying to the police, no, don't do your job. And there's a question of whether or not that happened. I'm gonna put money on it. Um if I'm wrong, I'll I'll gladly say so. But if I'm asked to bet. I'm going to put money on that one. Um, And that we shouldn't notice how these people act. If if it was any other group, and this is not whataboutism, this is fact. If it was a group that was to the political right, how they left the grounds would be the 24-7 news story. Why in the world would I listen to these people? Look what they did to the city. How much do you think they cost the city? Mayor Wheeler, or is it worth it? Is it worth it? You know? 
Just just get on the streets. Take a crap for freedom. Come on, Portland. Honestly, this is like an episode of Portlandia. It's, it is. It's crazy. Fred Armisen could not write uh, this well. Before anything, man, there's a bunch, still so much uh, to to get to. Make sure you get all the podcasts, TonyCats.com, uh, Facebook.com slash TonyCatsRadio. You can uh, subscribe there as well. Have you heard uh, of the In My Feelings Challenge? Can you cue that up, Ari? You know the song In My Feelings? It's uh, it's Drake. Well, what happened is, is that uh, Drake has this song, and there's a guy who's uh, kind of, I guess, Twitter famous. And he's crazy about Drake, and he did a dance to the song, right? Well, the dance he did to the song became a meme, and now it's called the In My Feelings Challenge, where people do this dance that this guy did. I forget the guy's name who did the dance. It wasn't Drake doing the dance, the singer. It was those people. Uh, who it was this guy who did the dance first, and people are, are replicating that. Well, it's gotten to the point now that people are doing this outside their cars because that's kind of the look that it had, right? So they're like, they, you open the, the car door and you're doing it outside the car. Then it led to people actually doing this outside of moving cars. Like they slow the car down to like just a couple miles an hour, literally open the door, get out of the car while it's moving. And they start doing this dance. And people are falling out of the car and they're hitting their heads and all things. The latest is Jalen Norwood, who's doing the dance. He's in Boynton Beach, Florida. He jumps on the hood of the car and he starts dancing, but he doesn't make it to the hood because he got hit by another car coming the other way. He did this on the street. They didn't see him. They don't expect a guy to jump out of his car. He's doing the In My Feelings Challenge. Bam! Hit by another car. Because Darwin was right. It's un- it's absolutely unbelievable. This is as daft and as ignorant as the people who do the uh, Boiling Water Challenge. I don't know if you... The Boiling Water Challenge is the most frightening. You think Tide Pods was, was scary? No. The Boiling Water stuff is out of control. Here's, here's what they do. Hey, let's boil some water, and then we'll put it in a cup, and you chug it. I'm sorry. You, you want me to do what? No, no, no. You take the boiling water, right? right and then you put it, in, put it in a cup, right? And, and, then, and then what? And then you chug it. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. You want me to chug boiling water? Yeah, oh, it's a challenge. I bet you won't do it. I bet you won't do it. And then people do it. And then they burn their esophagus. Then there's another one where people take boiling water like a like a, a, a pot, a, a saucepan, a, a thing of boiling water, and then they pour it over other people while they sleep. So people are getting third-degree burns. Let me tell you, spin the bottle was a much better way to pass the time. <laughs> it wasn't that it was a, a simpler time. It's that it was a far less stupid time. Now, don't get me wrong. There have been stupid things like throughout history that people have done. Social media just makes it easier. Chug 
chug uh, boiling water. Ins- insane and happening and happening often. Honestly, you, you better know what's going on, on on the social media feeds of your kids. You better be fully aware of what's happening on the social media feeds of your children. And I I, I mentioned it earlier, just a, a reminder. Netflix, uh, which was uh, was reported yesterday to be doing uh, the uh, the the documentary and playing the documentary about Louis Farrakhan that was created by his son, uh, the bigot, the anti-Semite Louis Farrakhan. They're not doing it. They are not airing the thing. They said, if we don't know how it got on the list, we apologize. We are not airing it. So I don't know. Maybe you should still expect it on there. I'm not I'm not 100% sure. But good on them. I still want my show on Netflix. I still want to make that happen. I want to make that deal, guys. Let's put that uh, together. I think we can work out a great deal. It'll be a beautiful deal for everybody. But they're not running the, uh, the stuff on Farrakhan. Tomorrow, everyone. Take care.